Good morning, everyone, from wherever you are watching this. Glad you tuned in to our service today. It is Palm Sunday, and we as a church value children immensely. So we're going to celebrate Palm Sunday first with a children's reading about what may very well have happened on the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. Have you heard their side of the story? The Donkey and Jesus by Troy Schmidt. People say I'm stubborn. I'm not. I just don't like people on my back. That's what happens when you're a donkey. People think they can just climb on board and go for a ride. Like when this guy named Jesus came to town. Let me tell you my side of the story. This is my mom. We always hang out together, but I think I embarrass her in public, especially when I throw my temper tantrums. Okay, maybe I'm a little sensitive. You see, these people who own us think they can just throw these heavy sacks on our backs. What do they think I am? Their beast of burden? So when they do, I tend to freak out a bit. Hee-haw! And I kick the sack off of my back. Then they think they can just climb on my back and go for a ride. Hee-haw! What do I look like? A horsey? Do you know how heavy people are? And they want to ride for hours uphill. This is why we donkeys have lower back pain. Mom once said to me, why are you acting this way? We have to carry these people and their things. It's what donkeys do. Then maybe I'm in the wrong line of work, I screamed. I'm going on strike. So from then on, Anything that touched my back, I kicked it off. A man, a woman, a child, a bird, even a fly. Don't touch me. I'm on strike. Hee-haw! Mom shook her head. You have to do what you were made to do. If you don't let anyone on your back, they'll get rid of you. Get rid of me? But that's the way I am. Somebody needs to stand up for the mistreatment of donkeys all over the world. No more sacks on our backs. The next day, two men walked into town and talked to my boss. We're looking for a donkey and a young colt that has not been ridden. Now that was weird. Who wants a young donkey that no one has ridden? My owner pointed at me. There's one right here. No one has ever ridden this one. You can have him for free. If these guys think they're going to take me for a ride, they've got a surprise coming. So, who needs the donkey? My owner asked. The men responded, the Lord. And then I knew that mom was right. They were going to get rid of me. 
they were going to send me away and sending me to the Lord could only mean one thing, that I was about to see God gulp. So I prayed. Hey God, I'm sorry I've been a stubborn donkey, but I just don't like anyone riding on my back. God answered back, I know how you are, but I want you to be more helpful. Sometimes you have to sacrifice to help others. Carrying others on your back is what I made you to do. I will, I will, I cried. I won't be that way ever again. Please don't send me away forever. Then I have a very important job for you. I want you to carry someone very special to me, my son. People long ago in the scriptures said he would ride into town on a young donkey that nobody had ever ridden. That donkey is you. The scriptures? People knew about me in the scriptures? How can that be? I'm just a stubborn donkey on strike. God replied, you're still very important to me. The two men took us to another man. They called him Jesus. He had a gentle smile and a warmth about him that calmed me. Here are the donkeys you requested, Master, the men said. This one has never been ridden. The owner said he's very stubborn and kicks off whoever tries to ride him. Oh no, my secret was out. I knew Jesus was going to reject me and send me away too. But he petted me on the nose instead. He said, no, he'll do just fine. This is the one I've been waiting for. This is the one the prophet spoke of. Me? God's son was waiting for a stubborn little donkey like me? So I ended my strike and allowed Jesus to climb on my back. That very day, we rode into Jerusalem for a huge parade. And guess who was the main attraction? Jesus. And I got to be with him, even though I had rejected so many people before. Jesus didn't reject me. This Jesus, I later heard, sacrificed his life for everyone in the world. The least I could do is carry others for him. And from then on, I carried people on my back wherever they wanted to go. So, anyone want a ride? It's the least this beast could do for God. The end. Children really are one of our highest values as a church. Partly because Jesus says in Matthew 18, how we treat children is how we treat him. That's how close children are to the heart of God. That Jesus actually says, if you welcome them, you welcome me. If you ignore them or hurt them, you ignore me. That's a big deal. Now, he also says that children often lead the way to the kingdom of God. That means we can look to children and understand a lot about the way life with God works. As we talk about anxiety, I can't think of a way that children more perfectly show us what God wants from us when we're scared. Kids 
naturally run to their parent figures when they're scared. A bolt of lightning, where's dad? Someone's at the door I don't know. Where's mom? A scary dream. They'll wake up and crawl up between mom and dad. Children, no. Get to your parents when you're scared about something. And what we're going to see from Paul today is he tells us the same thing as we continue this anxiety series. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. I do want to say one thing, though. We started this series last week. We're going to extend it a couple more weeks as we talk about a biblical approach to anxiety, especially in Philippians 4, 6 and the surrounding verses. But I want to say this, and I mean this. Anxiety is a spectrum. And for a lot of us, um, we have some anxiety and we can do some things better. Um, we can control our thinking. We can learn to take things to God in prayer and read scripture, and it's going to help a lot. A lot of us just need some spiritual advice and guidance and action. Some of you, though, some of us experience anxiety on a much deeper level. It can come from chemical imbalance. It can come from trauma in the past. Who knows? But what I want to say to you is if it's deeper than most, then please seek help. Maybe the most spiritual thing you could do is go get counseling or get some guidance towards some, some medicine that can help um, with some chemical stuff. God gave us this world that's filled with cures and human advancement is something he celebrates. And there are a lot of answers right now for people who've experienced anxiety on a deeper level. So while I can give you some spiritual guidance, some of you might need to take it even more. Now, if you want a good counselor, I always recommend emerge.org. Just go to that website, emerge.org, for Emerge Counseling in, um, in Akron. If you're from Northeast Ohio, is a place to start. But take it, take it very serious if you're in some dark places from anxiety. Okay, so... So that's that. But for most of us, most of us can gain a lot of inner peace just from following some, some techniques and from looking at scripture and from learning to hand things over to God. And that's where we're headed today. So I'm going to read to you from Philippians 4, what we're basing this series around. And then we'll talk a little more about how to put this to work in our own life. Because right now, there's a lot of uncertainty around a lot of very real worries and concern. And God says that there's a way that we can combat that that makes a real difference. And I've seen this in my life, and I want to share it. So let's take a look at Philippians 4, 6. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, last week we talked about the nearness of God, the proximity of God, and the importance of living a thankful life from Philippians 4, 6. This week, I want to focus on another aspect of don't be anxious about anything. Uh, Paul's hope is that we wouldn't leave it, live in a state of worry, we wouldn't live in worry, but rather we would learn to take things to God. So it starts with Paul saying, don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. So if you're not sure what this senior year is going to bring you or whether you're going to be able to get into the college of your dreams, Paul says, don't stress about that. If you're not sure if you're going to make the next round of layoffs, 
Paul says, don't stress about that. Are you going to get unemployment? When's it going to get here? Paul says, don't worry about that. If you have aging parents and you know that this virus is going to be tough for them to beat if they catch it, Paul says, don't stress about that. Some of you have kids, grown kids working on the front lines in the midst of this, and it's excruciating. Paul says, be anxious about nothing. Now, we might say that's easy for Paul to say. But remember last week, we said that Paul wrote those words from in prison, where he could be executed at any time. And in 2 Corinthians 11, Paul gave his list of the very difficult circumstances that he's endured. But he believes no matter the circumstance, he knows how to live a life of peace. Wouldn't it be amazing to be at a place where you no longer needed a pain-free life? Because you knew that you could find inner peace regardless of your circumstances. That's where Paul is. What's the pathway? Be anxious about nothing. Here's the pathway. But in every situation, present your request to God. That's what Paul says. In every situation, present your request to God. And Paul says that will get the job done. Every situation. Is your pet acting strange and it has you nervous? Present your request to God. Are you worried about what outfit to wear on that second date if you ever are able to go to a sit-down restaurant again? Present your request to God. Are you worried about what stocks to keep or what to sell off or your 401k? Present your request to God. Are you worried about paying for college? Present your request to God. And this is where we see how children lead the way. Kids can get upset about anything and they run to their parents. If they can't find their favorite sippy cup, if their TV show is over, if they're in a fight with their sibling, they will run to their parents. Every situation, they'll run to their parents. I remember one of my boys, who was a little more anxious than the other, uh, would come downstairs in the morning and he would say, Dad, and if I didn't answer immediately, Dad, he would just flip out. Like, did he spontaneously disappear? Where's my dad? Kids are desperate for their parents. It's their knee jerk. Find dad, find mom. They feel a desperate need for their parents, even in marginal situations. Now I want to take the rest of my time to talk through some basics for taking a request to God. Because I know for some of you that's intimidating, and I don't want that. Like, I don't want you to be stressed about taking things to God because you're stressed about them. I want to give you some insight into how to take a request to God. So here's an inspiration verse for you from Jesus, and then we'll look at just how diverse prayers are in the Bible. Um, so here's your inspiration verse. Matthew 6, 7. This is Jesus. Here's what God says about prayer. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard by their many words. Jesus says that we should not get caught up in the wording. Elsewhere, he talks about our father. He understands that child-parent relationship 
Our Father knows what we need before we even ask. So the words don't matter. It's the heart. It's the fact that we went to God, that we took something to God, and we're not going to impress God anyway. Even our most lofty prayer is not going to impress the all-knowing God who invented the language and gave us our brains to begin with. So here are a few examples of prayer in the Bible, just so you can see what a biblical prayer looks like. Matthew 14.30, Peter belts out a three-word prayer, Lord, save me! Observing Peter in Scripture, my guess is that's probably edited um, for a family audience in Scripture. Lord, save me or, or help God. Simple. Doesn't have to be elaborate, but that was a biblical prayer. Jeremiah 15.10. Jeremiah cries out, I wish I had never been born. And then he basically curses the day he was born. I, raw. Um, uh, real, authentic, uh, sometimes talking with God. I mean, sometimes we picture like, you know, priests, lofty, stained glass window, um, words like bountiful, thee, thou, bestow. The Bible prayers are much more bloody and sweaty than that. Um, here's one from David in, in Psalm 109. May his children be fatherless, and his wife a widow. May his children be wandering beggars. May they be driven from their ruined homes. I read that, I'm like, easy, David. But that's a prayer in the Bible. You see how these aren't exactly formal prayers? Picture David with like, you know, crazy eyes. I want those kids to be beggars. That's the way prayer is offered up in the Bible. It's very real. It's a person in, in distress taking something to God the best way they can. Here's another prayer that I find myself returning to over and over again. 2 Chronicles 20, 12. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do but our eyes are on you. Isn't that a gripping prayer? I don't know what to do, God, but I'm watching you. My eyes are on you. Show me. Now, if you read on in that story, God says, you stay right there. I got this. Like he takes care of the person that cries out to him. <clears throat> so would you repeat that for me with me? Maybe right there. God, we don't know what to do but our eyes are on you. That may be the most powerful prayer you will ever pray, the most useful prayer you will ever pray. I mean, just by saying that, you've prayed about any and every situation. You've presented a request to God. That's the best way to word it. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, present your request to God. Just make the ask. Tell God what you're concerned about. Be specific about whatever it is. I'll tell you what works for me, and then, um, then we'll be done. 
Um, when I am struggling, a lot of times I just kind of feel like something's off. I'll take out a pen and paper, and I know that's uncomfortable for a lot of you, and I'll just start mining. Like I'll start right up, because a lot of times it's, it's woven together. It's a few things. And so what is it bothers me? What bothers me? What am I concerned about? I'm that, 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 that. And then what that does, and it's layers deep. And then when I have it all written out, and I feel like, okay, that I think is what's making me feel off. I'll read that to God. And I will just say, God, I don't know what to do about this mess. My eyes are on you. Please help. And so often I will have peace from that. Now, remember, Paul says the peace which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind. God doesn't promise to give you whatever you ask for. He promises that when you ask, you will have peace. The peace that doesn't make sense. The peace that surpasses understanding. Now sometimes, a lot of times, I get what I'm praying for. God responds and I see it. I say thank you. Sometimes I don't. But I always get a sense of peace. Peace from God. Peace in knowing I've done all I can do by taking it to God. Peace that doesn't make sense. Peace that surpasses understanding. Sensing God's presence when there should be chaos. That's huge. Now I promise, as you respond to normal day-by-day anxiety, and if it's deeper than normal, get help. But normal levels of anxiety over life's problems, when you take them to God, even if it's God, I don't know what to do, my eyes are on you, or God, save me, help you'll know his presence and his peace. I promise you that. I've seen it so many times, and not just in my life, in the lives of others. It will make all the difference in the world. Now, to let that sink in, we're going to turn things over to Polaris's own Camille Marie for one final song from Nashville. Draw the tear filled eyes when we live the way. 
There is peace in Christ.